We started a brand new series last week. And we talked about how painful sometimes the holidays can be. How during the midst of the holidays, there's this sense where there's loss. And hoping for things to go back to the way they were. And so, as the holiday season is upon us, it tends to, for some of us, heighten some of the loss that we've had. And so we're going to spend these, we're going to spend Advent longing and hoping and waiting on Christmas. Because Christmas is the ultimate solution to our broken hearts our dreams that have been shattered, to the hopes that have been lost. It's Christmas that our hearts really long for. And it's Christmas is where we're going. And so last week we talked about the terrible pain that comes to our hearts. And what do we do when suffering has come and loved ones have been lost? And we said, what we do while we're waiting, because remember, that's the name of the series. It's called Waiting. We worship while we're waiting. But what about when we've caused our own misery? When the pain that we're experiencing is a self-inflicted wound? What do we do? What do we do when we're the parent? of a child who no longer wants to connect with us or deal with us. Not because of anything they've done, but because of what we've done. What do we do? What do we do when we're the son or the daughter of parents don't wanna, that don't want to have anything to do with us? What do we do when the marriage fell apart, and the reason that it fell apart was us. In this Christmas season, those losses, those errors, those sins, those deviations from God's uh, desire for us, they, they tend to be more alive. They tend to be more heightened. What then do we do? All of us, every single one of us, have things that we've done that we deeply regret, that we wish didn't happen, that if we could, we would turn the hands of time back and do all over again. And when times like that happen, when times like that come, what we do is we run to God's word and we find the encouragement that we need it's in this point, in this position, that Israel finds themselves. They have turned away from God. The punishment that they're going to experience and the fear that they're presently experiencing is a self-inflicted wound. They said, God, we don't want to have anything to do with you. We'll go our own way. We'll do our own thing. We'll be our own people, we don't need you anymore, and they went it their own way, they did their own thing, 
and pain and suffering happened. So God, because he loves them so much, he sent them a prophet, one of the greatest prophets. His name is Isaiah. Isaiah comes, and he's like, yo, here's God's word. Wham! And for the first 39 chapters, Isaiah is like, it's not going to end well. It's going to go real bad. Like, not little bad, like real bad. Like, like when I was growing up, like when my father said, go get my belt bad. Like, this is going to be a negative ending. This is not going to go well. What is going on? Verses 1 through 39, God is saying, listen, don't you get it? Don't you get it? If you continue going on this way, doom and destruction is going to happen. You're going to hurt yourself. Has anybody ever experienced that? Where they had a friend who said, hey, 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 your girlfriend, she's not the one for you. Your boyfriend, you, let's keep looking. Let's keep looking. There's, they're better fish in the sea. And you're like, no, I'm going to do my thing. I just love my, you know. And then it just ended really, really bad for you. And, and were you the person who said, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Don't you love that? It's fantastic. You go, why didn't you tell? I know. I know. I guess none of us saw it. Oh, my goodness. And when we find ourselves in those moments, we think how gracious, how kind, how loving God is by telling us what's going to happen in the end. God tells them for 39 chapters, this is going to end badly. They ignore him. Destruction is going to happen. Punishment is going to come. Then God opens up chapter 40 with some of the most beautiful and comforting words you could possibly hear. This is really, really, really important. Because even if you're getting punished by your parents, and you're, you know, I don't know about you, but I used to, like, I don't know if you could say pray, but I guess it was called a prayer. You would call it a prayer. I'd be like, yeah, I hope they get hit by a truck. And, you know, <laughs> was that you when you got punished or hit? Like, you know, when I got spanked, I was like, yeah, you know, fall off a building. And I just, even when you're going through that, it's nice to have your parents come up to you and say, you know what, I'm for you. This doesn't take away from us. This doesn't take away from my love for you. You're going to get the spanking if you do this direction, if you go in this way. It's, it's, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure that as a good parent, I marry sin with pain. I'm going to do that early so that we're not having this conversation through bars when you're 25. And then the government doesn't have to marry sin with pain. It's nice to have your dad come up to you and say, yo, I'm for you. I love you. And the punishment won't be forever, but my love will. God comes to his people, and they've gone the wrong way, and they've done the wrong thing, and there's no excuse. They can't say, I didn't know. They can't say, well, why didn't you tell us? They can't say, I plead ignorance. They can't do that. This is their own doing. Sin has caused this, and God has said punishment will come, and I love you and am for you and with you throughout the whole thing. Let's look 
where Isaiah has us in chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. I don't think I was I told uh, the, the media team that we're going to go up to verse 11. I don't, I don't see how we're going to do it, but I just have it just in case. But if you would stand as we read God's word, the reason we stand when we read God's word is because we want to be reminded, even physically. If you can, by the way, if you can, that's cool. Some of us can't um, readily stand. Um, we want to physically remind ourselves that God's word is above our own thoughts, emotions, or ideas. We're going to read some very familiar scriptures, very familiar scriptures uh, in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. Let's read it together. 1, 2, 3. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries out, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and all their faithfulness like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. This is God's word. Please have a seat. God has told these people, listen, if you continue going in this path, it's going to end badly for you. Trust in me. Here's what they did. They kept on going in the wrong direction, in the wrong way, sinning against God. And then when they, ha- when they started to see other empires coming in to attack them, people like Assyri- the Assyrians, what they did was rather than run to God, they ran to their neighbor, their neighbor who they thought could protect them. The one who they said, no, 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 God, you're not strong enough to protect us. We're going to go to a foreign army. We're going to become in debt to this foreign force. This is what we trust in. We don't trust in the Lord. We trust in the power of our allies. <coughs> God says, that won't end well. That won't end well. Even those who you think will come to try to help you, they will wind up not helping you, in fact, hurting you in the end. God, says, God starts off this chapter, and I'm telling you, it's like, it's like a 360, man. It's like God does this huge turn, and he starts in verse 1. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. These are tender words that come from God. It's the kind of words that you give a person who's uh, uh, bereaving 
uh, a lost child. It's the kind of word. It's, in fact, these are the very words that uh, the Bible uses when Jacob uh, loses, uh, when, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, when Isaac loses his mom and then uh, Rebecca is brought to him. And it's said that during that time of bereavement, Rebecca was a comfort to him. It was a tender thing. She, she helped his broken heart. God opens up with this incredibly tender way of speaking. Because when you and I sin, when you and I are like the children of Israel, when we run our own way and do our own thing, as I guarantee you will, when that happens, God's tone to us. When you and I are experiencing the kind of consequences of our own sin. How do you hear God when you're experiencing the consequence of your sin? Do you hear him like your parents? You see? Do you hear them like that? Do you hear them like, do you hear God like this? What did I tell you? Is that the way you hear God when you blow it and you're experiencing the consequences of your actions? There's a lot of consequences of actions that can happen here. Maybe some of you, you're young enough, you might be punished by your parents. They took away your phone. They take away your TV. No more computer time. You blew something, and now you're experiencing the punishment, and you're like, how do you hear when you're in that timeout place? Some of you, maybe you're experiencing the consequences. Every day, you have to take a pill or several pills to remind you of how far you deviated from God's best in your life. And you're like, man, this is painful. How do you hear God when you're taking that pill? You see, didn't I tell you? Or do you hear comfort? Comfort. I, I had a dear friend. He called me, <clears throat> and he upset me. I still remember the conversation to this day, even though it was like 15 years ago. He called me and he said, yo, Ed, I'm feeling tempted. I'm feeling tempted in this area. And I said, if you do that, there's a dark hole, a black cave, a bottomless pit. And it was like as negative as I could possibly be. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is going to end up bad. This is going to go bad. It's going to be real bad, real bad. And then, I mean, a half hour of me going, begging him, yo, this is going to be, you're going to lose everything. You're going to, you know, like just pouring it on as thick as I could, trying to prevent my friend from going in this direction that I thought was going to be horrible for him. I was telling him, telling him, telling him, and then in a half hour into the conversation, he goes, Ed, I already did it. I was like, oh, man, this was supposed to be a different conversation then. Because you can't have the bottomless pit, dark hole, black, you know, cave, you know. You can't have that conversation. Once you've blown it, God comes in and he says, comfort. Comfort. It goes on in verse 2. I know, by the way, that's an offense to some of us here because some of us here really, we've, especially those of us who've been in Christianity for a while, we tend to think that, I don't know if we think this consciously, but we certainly act this way. Like we have to pay. Like somebody has to pay. Like we have to pay. Like, 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 it can't go that smooth. 
It can't be comfort and comfort. How else are you going to learn? How else are you going to not do your sin? How else? And I get that. I get that. There's a bunch of us here. And I'm just, I just telling you, you're, you're, you're falling off the wrong side of the horse. You're going in the wrong direction. Comfort. Comfort. You go, but, but how are they going to learn? Listen, listen, listen. How are we going to learn? That's God's problem. God can teach us. Comfort. I know that's tough for some of us to receive. We fall a little bit on the, on the pharisaical, legalistic side. Like, God's got to take a punishment, but I got to take it too. And God goes, comfort. You're wretched. You're sinful. You're desperately wicked. Comfort. God speaks. They're both true. Can't shake it. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. Can we come back to that at the very end? Because I want you, this is such a powerful verse. I was tempted to make the entire sermon about this one verse. We're going to come back to that. But it might not be what you think. But hold on to it. Go to verse 3. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John the Baptist in the New Testament comes out and he starts preparing the people's hearts for the Messiah that is to come. John the Baptist knows that Christmas has come and now the Messiah is about to reveal himself to everyone. He's going to share him with everyone. And so John the Baptist says this, in the wilderness prepare, or it's said about John the Baptist, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, just a quick caveat, okay? Let's just do a, a quick um, apologetic or a theological caveat. If you're from a Jehovah Witness background, or if you're from a background where you think that Jesus is an angel, or Jesus was a good man, or Jesus was a prophet, or Jesus is a God among other gods. I don't know where your background is, but this is a prophecy that not only only is spoken in Isaiah, but it's referenced to in every single gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about this very prophet. Now, what's powerful is that this is 700 years before Jesus ever came on the scene. Pretty good. Pretty good. Like, if I can predict something 700 years, I can't predict what's going to happen seven minutes from now. 700 years. That's pretty amazing. But here's what he says. If we think that Jesus is something other than God, we're mistaken. Because the Bible doesn't give us room to believe that. You either have to not believe the Bible, or you have to come to terms with what the Bible is saying. But it's saying something stark. Listen to what it's saying. It's saying that Jesus is God. In the wilderness. Now, it... In this passage, in the New Testament, it refers to, it takes this passage and it uses John as the example for doing this. That he would be the voice calling. Isaiah is a voice calling. John is also a voice calling. And he says this, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our, what? Not for our prophet. Not for our teacher, not for an angel, not for a God among other gods, God with a small g, 
No, 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 no. The Almighty God is coming. The Almighty God is coming and make a way for him. You see, when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about God in the flesh. Who's Jesus? Jesus is God. And if you come from a background different than that, then you struggle with me saying that. You go, ah, oh, I don't know. If, listen, listen, I'm just sharing with you what, the God, what God's word says. Make way for our God, not for a prophet. Make way for our God, not for an angel. Make way for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places plain. This is a wonderful uh, set of verses, and here's why. Because when you find yourself in timeout, anybody here finding themselves in timeout, if you're honest enough, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, 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 there's a few of you, right? There's only three honest people in this room. I get it. It's cool. Let me speak to the three of you. When you find yourself in the timeout place where this is not anything other than God saw you go in the wrong direction and he said, er, stop, we're putting you in timeout, sit in the corner, think about what you did, right? When, when that is happening, when you're in that place, listen to what the prophet is saying. Now, remember, he's speaking to a tribe of people. He's speaking to a, a nation. But you can, this has application, not only for our church, but it also has applications for the people sitting in your seat. Here's what he says. So what he does is he lets them know that while they're in captivity, while they're in exile, while they're suffering for the sins that they created, for the situation that they created, for the circumstances that they did, while they're suffering for that, he goes, he gives them a picture. He gives them a picture of something that they would totally understand. Here's the picture. Back when uh, a, a nation was conquered by another nation, the king would come, and one of the things that the, the nation that had been conquered, one of the things that they would have to do is make new bridges and new roads. This was both symbolic and practical. One, it... What, what, the, what the nation who was conquered is saying to the king is that there's no gaps and no holes and no obstacles in the way of your being received. You are our conquering king. We receive you, and there, there's going to be nothing, no boundaries between us. But it was also telling the king that we honor you, and we want to celebrate you, and we want to make when you come when you come into the community, when you come into the nation, we want to celebrate you, make sure that your travel is smooth. Get it? Okay. Now, how does that apply for people like us? While you're in your timeout place, what does it mean for you to prepare yourself for the king? Because the king is coming. Christmas is coming. And what does it mean to smooth out the roads, to build the bridge, to... To, to tear down the mountains. What does it mean in your life that while you're in your timeout place, what does it mean to prepare yourself? What are the boundaries, the obstacles, the difficulties, the things that make for you not to trust in God? What are the things that you can presently do now, surrendering to Jesus right now, when, so that he could become more alive in your heart than ever? I bet there's a thing or two, right? See, here's what we do. 
what we do is we go, <laughs> I don't know, we say things to ourselves like this. We go, well, it's already going bad for us. And God has already punished us or is punishing us. So there's no way, you know, what are we going to do? Just, I guess just endure it. And what you do is you, ri- you, you remove yourself from some of the most profitable maturing time there can be in the Christian life. That while you are enduring pain from the consequences of your own actions, wouldn't it be good if you picked the wrong person 53 times in a row? If you pick that person, wouldn't it be neat to take a few moments and go, who am I choosing and why? Preparing my heart. And then being able to say, God, let me tell you the truth about me. The truth about me is that I want that type of person more than I want you. They are my savior, not you. You see, we can actually say that. And if you're here and you're in a place where you're experiencing the pain of your own bitterness, it's okay to take the time to tear down the mountains, rake the roads smooth, put the bridges um, uh, in the valleys. Listen, to, to be able to go, God, here's the truth about me. I don't trust that you'll, you're a God of justice. If there's going to be justice, it's going to come from me. And so I'm going to remain unforgiving and I'm going to the, remind them of their sin every chance I get. You see, what you're doing is you're not making a way for the Lord. You're not, you're not, you're not. What you're doing is you're allowing it to eat at you. And God says in his word, every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. And we do that, listen to me, we do that by faith. We do that knowing that the king is going to give us comfort, the comfort that he declared in the very first words of this chapter. And so because we know that he's king and he's God and he's Lord, no, no, he's, listen, listen, God can't ever have anything to do with you. And I'm assuming that, has there anybody been here who, who before you came here, you said, no, nah, I, can't, I can't ever go to a church service because, like, the building will fall down on me. Anybody? Like, yeah, all right, like three or four of you. Yeah, 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 right. Okay, another set of honest people. Let me talk to y'all. Let me tell you what happens, right? That's Satan lying to you. What you're doing when you're coming to these services is you're saying, God, by faith, mountains torn down. By faith, valleys raised up. By faith, I know that you're good. I know that you're kind. I know that you just want to have relationship with me, and I'm done running. I'm going to start resting. I'm done trying. I'm going to start trusting. I'm done doing my own thing. I'm going to, I'm going to, st- what, I don't know what that might look like. For some of us, what it looks like is just literally sitting down and reading our Bible in the mornings. Just sitting down, reading our Bibles and going, God, I don't feel it. I feel guilty. Even as I touch the Bible, I feel guilty and shame about my past. Would you remind me of the forgiveness and the kindness that you can only show me because I can't tell it to myself. Make way. It goes on in verse 6. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people, 
are like grass and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. I love these three verses. They're so good. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. And just in case you missed it, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. See, here's the, I was just recently part of, um, I don't know if you know this, uh, I have another job. I'm the area director for about 50 or so churches here in New York, okay? So I was working with the church recently, and I was trying to help them to see how God was with them. They're going through a difficult time, and I was trying to help them to see how God is with them. So I brought the, uh, a verse that I thought would do a fantastic job of doing that. And their response to me was very interesting. It was in multiple people. It was, it was like, yes. And it was because the, 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 the verse was just like, they felt like it was too good. It was like, nah, I don't believe it. It was Psalm 91, 16, uh, 14 through 16. And it says, because he loves me, I will rescue, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. Um, he will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will, show, I will, um, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So I was like, oh, man, if you're in trouble, if you're going through difficulty, this is the verse. This is my go-to verse, right? So I gave them the verse, and they, and they said, more than one of them said this. Yes, 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 you know, but, 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 but we need to be obedient. We need to be, make sure that we're faithful. When it, and, of course, who would say, like, of course, yeah, like be a, listen, do I want my kids to be obedient? <laughs> yes, right? Do I want my kids to be faithful? Of course I do. But that's not the basis of my relationship with them. My goodness, if it was, we might not have a relationship. <laughs> Isn't that true for your kids too? Don't just think of my kids. It's just that way, isn't it? See, the basis for the relationship is his love. The basis for his, the relationship is his. And, and verses like this remind me of how silly we are to think that anything that we could do could make us, could pay for the, we just don't understand sin. We don't understand how profound sin is. We think that just by reading a Bible verse or praying a prayer, we can wipe away the sin that we've done. It would be like a rapist coming up to you. I was, I was uh, sexually abused when I was young. I saw that person one more time as an adult and it froze. That's how powerful the experience, it just, it had an effect on me deeply, still affects me still. That person coming up to me and saying, hey, listen, I want you to know, sorry for raping you. And, and so you know, I never did it again. I'm like, that's good. But that doesn't take away the scars and the pain and the hurt. I just, you have no idea. Like, kudos for you. I haven't raped them, anyone either. The scars that you created cannot be easily taken away. You know that's how you and I come to God in repentance? See, because we don't just break God's rules. We break God's heart. And so the Bible wants to remind us the basis of the relationship is not how good you do and not how faithful you are. Now, be, listen to me. 
Obey Jesus. Right, I'm your pastor. Obey Jesus. Read his word. Pray. Do I want you to pray? Of course I do. But listen to me. That's not the basis of your relationship. No, 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 no. The basis of your relationship with him is his faithfulness. It's his love. Why? How do we know that? Because this. All people are like grass. All their faithfulness is like flowers of the field. You want to know about what your faithfulness looks like? It's like a flower of a field. Have you ever seen a flower in a field? Have you ever tried to go months later and see the same flowers in the field? Give it some time. Flowers don't last. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. Here today, gone tomorrow. Beloved, it's God's faithfulness. It's God's goodness. It's God's kindness. You are worth and you deserve punishment. But he gives faithfulness and kindness and mercy. You think you're bad? You don't know the half of it. You are far worse than you think. And he is far better than you can imagine. You are far more sinful than you can possibly conceive. And he loves you far more than you could ever dream. It's his love. Now, how could God give that kind of love? How could God be so crazy in his love? We go back to verse 2. I'm going to close with this. Remember what it says here? It says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that, this, that her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for her all her sins. Now, look at me. When I read that initially, what do you think? What's the double? You received double punishment, right? Like you've already received your punishment plus your punishment again. When I read that, that's the way I read it. But that's not what it says, is it? Listen to what it says. Her sin, do you see that right there in the middle? Uh, let's start from the beginning so that you could see it. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been, somebody say it, paid, paid for. That your sin has been paid for. Then it goes on to say, and it's the same sentence, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Your sins have, how could God give us the mercy? How could God give us the kindness and the comfort and the love? Let me tell you something. It's because your sins have been paid for, but they just haven't been paid for once. You don't deserve, your punishment hasn't been double. Your, the, the pay that God made for your sin has been double. And how on earth did God do that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You see, this is powerful. This is important. Your sin has been paid for twice. Your punishment hasn't been twice, because if God gave you your punishment twice, he wouldn't be just. Even the American system has a thing called double jeopardy, right? Where you can't, you can't, pay for the, you can't be tried for the same crime twice, right? If you've been found innocent, and some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm glad about that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but you can't be paid, you can't be tried for the same crime twice, right? God paid for it twice, and here's how he did it. God came from heaven to earth to live the life that you should have lived. Listen, pause there. I know I say that a lot, but this is important. Look at me. God has not only paid for the penalty for your sin, which is the second part of that when I say, he died the death that you 
serve. You see, so there's two things happening. One is that your punishment has been given to another. The punishment that you deserve, the, the, the punishment that you deserve has been bestowed on another. He has taken your punishment for you. And so you go, that's great, but I don't know if you've ever been a convict or a felon, but you're, you're pun- you're, that doesn't happen here in, in America. Let me tell you what happens here in America. You, get, um, you, get, uh, you, you catch a felony, you come out, you can't vote. You know, you put, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. You paid for your penalty for your sin. We got you. We put you away. We locked you up. We did all that sort of stuff. But you can't, you can't go out and vote. You can't be a transit worker. You can't, you can't, like, get a city job. Like, there's all sorts of doors that are closed to you because we need to remind you that if you're a felon, there's a difference. You've been, listen, you paid the penalty for your sin, but you're not in full right standing. You don't have the full rights of citizenship. You're a felon. We'll remind you of that. That's not what God does. He pays twice. This is, let me tell you something. Some of you, the shoe is going to drop right now. You're going to get it. It's finally going to hit you. The gospel is actually going to come alive to you. And I'm so excited for you right now. This is awesome. What's happening? Listen, this is a big deal. Not only does God pay, you know what? You know how bad you are? You think you're bad? You're worse than that. You know how bad you are? You deserve the death penalty. And God comes down and pays the death penalty. He takes on your death penalty. You go, I'm not that bad. You go, you, you don't know yourself very well. You are. He takes the death penalty for your sin. But wait, then he lives the life that you should have lived. And so therefore, he bestows his righteousness on you. So think about this trade. God gives us, his righteousness. But he goes, not yet. First, give me your sin. He goes, I'll take your sin and I'll put it on myself and you take my righteousness. This is so awesome. He's paid, but not only did he pay, he paid double for you so that you have full standing, full citizen rights, Full child rights. You are a, you're not like a, like a stepchild who's ignored, who's like sort of in the family but not quite in the family, who has some of the privileges but not all of the privileges. You have it all. It's all yours. He says, I pay twice. That's the gospel. The gospel is that when Christmas came, God started this incredible and you can't even say he started it because, right, he started from before the, he had you in his mind before the foundation of the world. When Christmas came, God continued this incredible redemption program to not only live the life that you should have lived, that means he's your righteousness, but die the death that you deserve, that means he takes on your punishment. Now, what that means for you and me is that we no longer have to defend ourselves anymore. We're free. We no longer have to lie to ourselves. Oh, but you're not that bad. No, I'm worse than that. And he loves me. I'm, I'm, let me tell you something. I'm a bad father. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad son. Hallelujah. Jesus loves bad sons, husbands, and fathers. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? So what do we do while we're waiting? Here's what we find out in this text. Last, last week, we said when, while we're waiting, we worship. 
This week, we found out that while we're waiting, we trust. We trust that his salvation is significant enough to save us and endure in us and not only take our sin from us, but give us his righteousness. We trust that he will give comfort and not salt in our, in our wounds. We trust that he is for us, not against us. We trust that he is going to bring us the kind of relief and saving that we desperately need. You don't deserve it, but you get it. You don't merit it, but it's yours. You go, but you don't understand. I keep on falling. Yeah, I know. I know. You're worse than you think, though. And he loves you more than you can imagine. Now, if you're here and you know Christ, then I just want you to rest and rejoice in that. Maybe you forgot it. Maybe some of you just needed a reminder. Oh, I haven't been trusting. I haven't been trusting. I know Jesus, but I haven't trusted him. Got it. No problem. Would you just rejoice? Now, if you're here and you don't know Christ and you've thought the way to come to God is to get good. Let me tell you something. The way to get God is to get, is to get good, right? That's what you think. And, and let me just say, some of you, you didn't even feel comfortable coming to a service until you had like 60 days clean or 30 days clean. You go, oh, no, I have to like kind of get my stuff together. No, you're still a mess. And it's okay. We're all a mess. And he loves us with a love that can't be compared. So, beloved, if you don't know Jesus, would you receive Christ today? Would you say, yes, Jesus, I want to know you as my Lord and as my Savior. And let me tell you something. That kind of love, what happens is when God takes on your sin and gives you his righteousness, then you want to serve out of the love that he gives you, not for the love that he gives you. I'm faithful to my wife because of the love that I've received from her, not to try to get the love, not to try to get her to love me. I already love her, and my faithfulness is a byproduct of that. God already loves me, and any obedience that I have is just an overflowing of his perfect love given to me. Don't you want that? I mean, are you, too, are you too good for that? You want to pull yourself up by your own scraps? You want to make your own way? Don't do that. No, don't do that. So, while those who are being reminded of God's gospel and that we can't wait for Christmas, while you pray, let me talk to a few of you who don't know Jesus. God brought you here. God brought you, I don't know why God brought you here. Maybe he brought you here after years of running from him. Maybe he brought you here and you've been coming around, but you haven't understood, but you knew that there was something to the gospel, but you haven't understood it today. Kind of light bulb went off. Listen, if you're here and you want to say, God, I want to receive that love. I want to, I want to receive Christmas. I want to receive God coming from heaven to earth. And this service has been in sort of a small part uh, of making the roads paved. If you want to receive Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, what I mean by that is if you want to receive Christ as the boss of your body. Is that clear? Right? If you go, Lord and Savior, I don't understand. Okay, boss of your body. 
whatever your body wants to do and goes, you go, no, God, you lead, you guide, you love me like that, and, and it's that crazy, I want to follow you. He's for you. Now, in about a minute and a half, I'm going to ask you to do the unthinkable. I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to receive Christ as an acknowledgement of your receiving Christ, just so you can have a moment where you can remember the standing. There's nothing to standing. The, 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 the point is, is that you would have a moment to remember, yes, there was a moment where I said, Jesus, your love is too good for me to, stop, to continue denying. I want to receive you. Now, when I ask you to stand, every demon in hell, every thought, in your mind is going to say, don't stand, don't stand. Look, your friend is next to you. No, but you know what? You're still going to fall back into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, whatever. Yeah, but I don't have all my questions answered. Listen, I've been in Christ for over 20 years. I don't got all my questions answered neither. It's okay. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. And receive from him double pay. Forgiveness, that means you don't have to walk around with shame. And sonship, that means God takes you in as a loving father and he gives you the righteousness of his son so that when you walk around and Satan and even your relatives during this holiday season remind you of your past, you can remind Satan of his future. Right now, you can have Christ. It's going to happen in like 30 seconds, and you're arguing with yourself. I get it. I know. Ah, it's so crazy. But he's for you. He's for you. So it's simple. The gospel is this. Would you believe that Jesus, it's as simple as A, B, C. Can you say A, B, C? A, admit that you're a sinner. There's no cute way to say that. Admit that you're a sinner. In other words, you've gone away from God's best for your life. A, Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And see, commit, commit your body to Jesus. Say, Jesus, wherever I go, wherever I think, wherever I do, I want it to be for you. I want it to just enjoy you and rest in you. Now, if you've already done this at a previous time in your life, but you're coming back and you're like, eh, I don't know, you know, maybe I'll come back. Cool. You could just say that. You could just do that in your heart and you could just be reminded of Christ. But if you've never done that before, and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's going to happen in like 10 seconds. I'm going to ask you to stand. Just admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. Three, two, one, stand. Love that. Love that. Love that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I love that. I love that. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, man. Awesome. Congratulations, guys. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, now stay standing for just another second. Okay. Now, here's what you're going to do. Listen to me. As you remain standing, what we're going to do is, as a church, we're going to love on you and serve you and help you. So those of us who know Christ at the end of this service, we're just going to try to wear you out with hugs 
and love and all that. Is that okay? If we do that, we're so, the, the Bible says that when one person gives their heart to Jesus, that there's like a crazy like party in heaven over, it's a celebration. Love that. Now watch this. God wants you to grow in Christ. So would you help us? Would you let us help you in that? And we just want to serve you and love you and just help you grow in this process. So I'm going to pray for you, and then we're all going to stand and pray and sing. Is that fair? In fact, why, why don't we all stand right now and join our brothers and sisters who have received Christ? All right. Put your hand on them appropriately on their shoulder. Don't freak nobody out. They've only been in Christ for five seconds, okay? All right. All right. Put your hand on them. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for your love. I'm so grateful for the forgiveness that you bestow. I'm so grateful, Lord, that in the midst of a book that talks about people's rebellion, you talk comfort, comfort. In the midst of a book that talks about people running away from you and sinning and relying on others to be able to relieve them of their consequences, Lord, you come in like a flood and you bring in a double payment. You pay twice. And so, Lord, we're grateful. And so while we're waiting, Lord, last week we were reminded, while we're waiting, we'll worship. And Lord, this week, while we're experiencing the consequences of our sin, we'll trust. While we're waiting, we'll trust. And so though, for those here who have just put their trust in you, Lord, I pray that they would not only receive you as Savior, but also as Lord, the boss of their body. That they would walk in you, that they would grow in you, that they would rest in you and know the joy that you have for them in Christ. Help them, O oh God, even as they uh, begin this journey. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.